Welcome to another episode of the Teaching Canada's History podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Campbell, and today we are speaking with the finalists for the 2023 Governor General's History Award for Excellence in Teaching. Created in 1996, the award recognizes best practices in teaching Canadian history and is an opportunity to highlight the important work that teachers and students are doing to interpret and share the stories of the past. For more information about the Governor General's History Awards, visit canadashistory.ca slash awards. Today I'm speaking with Erin Dupe, a high school history teacher in Guelph, Ontario. Thank you, Erin, for speaking with me today. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about the project you've designed. Thanks. Thanks for uh, inviting me to the interview. Can you give us an overview of the story of a soldier assignment and explain the key steps that your students took in their work? Uh, sure. Thanks. Um, so the story of a soldier assignment uh, we've been doing for a few years um, with my grade 10 academic history class, and it's looking at the lives of uh, the men and women on the Guelph Cenotaph, um, specifically from the First World War. Um, we had been doing an assignment like this for, for a little while, and at in 2017, I started to think about some of our local stories. I had been listening to the Massey Lectures, um, The Truth About Stories by Thomas King, and I had done this assignment for the 150th anniversary uh, of Canada's birthday with my grade 10 class where we had done a quilt and we had invited some seniors from a nearby uh, retirement community to come and teach quilting to the kids. And just sitting around the table quilting, these women are sharing their stories. And it was really eye-opening for my students who had these kind of stereotypes about older women. And they weren't really expecting these women to have high levels of education, to have had careers in the 60s and in the 70s. And so I thought, gosh, you know, there's so much rich story in our town, in our city. Um, What are my students not learning about the community in which they live because we're not listening to those stories? And so there had been um, a news article about a professor in Peterborough who had been sending out postcards to the former residences of men of the 60th Battalion um, ahead of the centennial of the armistice in 2018. And I thought, gosh, we could totally do this in Guelph because so many of our old houses still exist and people live in them. And so um, it really kind of took off from there where we took this, dusted off this assignment where we had students researching people from the First World War using the resources from the Library and Archives of Canada. And we turned it into a one-page biographical essay that would be mailed out to the houses that our soldiers from the Cenotaph used to live in and letting the residents of the, the, the current residents of the home know the story of their house and the people that used to live there. So we began by by like taking a photo of the cenotaph uh, and having the names there for the students. And uh, we, I did some research and found an article from 2014 that was written by a local historian named Ed Butts. And he had published a summary of all of the World War I soldiers on Guelph Cenotaph for the, the newspaper at the time, which was the Guelph Mercury. It's now the Mercury Tribune. And so we used that as our launch pad. So we we had the names and we went to the Library and Archives website and we opened up the attestation papers for the soldiers. And essentially we were starting out by just looking for the address because we were going to figure out where they lived so we could send a little biography to their former home. And so uh, as soon as we found the address, the students were 
putting the addresses into Google Earth and we were looking at their homes. Um, and it really, the assignment really just kind of evolved from there because once the students started seeing these houses that these men once lived in, we started having conversations about um, why someone would go to war. We started having conversations about socioeconomic issues um, and we started to really need to know a lot more about our city, um, which led us to some secondary source research where we uh, read an essay that Ed Butts had written. It's actually on the Canadian Encyclopedia website about Guelph at the and during the First World War, um, the Guelph Historical Society had a number of publications about life in Guelph during the time of the First World War. So we started looking at that material um, and we be then we reached out to the museum and um, the education coordinator for the museum came in and started uh, answering some of the questions that my students had. So just by going through the digitized service file on the library and archives, uh, we started to see patterns. So we saw patterns that oftentimes the soldiers, if they were not married, they were identifying their mother as the next of kin so that she would be in receipt of their pension should something happen to them. Um, we noticed that oftentimes the wives and the mothers of these young men were moving every single year. So the address kept getting updated in the digitized service file, which led to these really incredible questions about why are they moving? And so some of our local research showed that, you know, there weren't a lot of property owners or a lot of the soldiers that who show up on the, on the cenotaph were from lower income households that were renters. Um, our coordinator from the museum talked about how rents got jacked up on the widows um, or the the wives and the mothers when when the man of the house wasn't there anymore, and so to advocate and negotiate the rent, and so these these women were on the move year after year after year, and sometimes they were moving in with other families. We even had one that lived in a church for a period of time. So it just became this really rich learning experience um, where we were using all sorts of local resources, including our, our museum and um, the, uh, the archivist as well, coming out and giving us some hand with just reading the digitized service file and understanding what, what it all said. Once we kind of got a picture of our soldier and the life they had before they went to war, we started to do some investigation into the life they had while they were at war. So then we began using the war diary. And so we started to piece together um, what their last day looked like. Um, and again, we, be, we paired it with secondary source research about um, the battle that was their last battle. And that was also really eye-opening for the students because it really kind of conflicted with this narrative in Canada about, you know, what the major battles were. So we had learned about the second battle of of um, Ypres. We had learned about Vimy and the Somme and Passchendaele. But most of the Guelph soldiers who show up on the cenotaph, they died in Mount Sorrel, or they died at Hill 70, or they died in the last 100 days. And so we're now in researching battles that we haven't studied in class that don't show up um, in 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 the text, not that we use a textbook uh, too, too much in the class, but it, these were outside of that, that canonized narrative of Canada's First World War history. And so that led to these really great conversations about like, why aren't we talking about uh, Hill 70? Um, why don't we talk about the St. Elwa craters? Um, and oftentimes it's because 
these were not glorious victories or um, these were, were devastating losses or, or Pyrrhic victories at best. And, and um, that was really interesting for my students to be able to see. And particularly with the last hundred days, um, reading the war diary of the 13th Battalion uh, for August the 8th was, was shocking because it describes going into hand-to-hand combat. And so it really changes the shape of what war looks like in their mind as well. Um, so if there if there had been any kind of glamorized notion of warfare um, in their mind, this preconceived notion that was certainly challenged by the primary source documents that described hand to hand combat, and and so the it began to kind of turn into these questions about like why did we ask these young men to do this, and and really changing um, our perceptions about, you know, who goes to fight and, and why we're fighting the way that we're fighting. And even looking at like the, the changes over time and how our, our involvement in military conflict as Canadians has changed over time. And um, even looking at how the value of a human life has changed over time. So in the end, the product that students end up with is a, a three-page essay, it, it, or sorry, a three-paragraph essay that fits onto one page. And then we would fold it up into a note that explained the project, and then we mailed it out to their former residents. If their house didn't exist anymore, we would use Google Earth to find the next closest place of residence or business. And then we would send the note with just some adjustments explaining that across the street, there used to be housing that's now a park. And in one of those houses, there's a soldier that lived there that died in the First World War, and his name is on the cenotaph. Um, and we hope that you, you, you know, spend some time thinking and reflecting about his sacrifice. There's so much community connection in this project. Um, you can really tell. That and that was really um, what I loved about it, and what I, I still love about it is that um, I want my students to be walking down the streets of the city that they live in, and and understanding that history has happened here, and being able to share that history. Um, you've also shared some of the the big questions that have come out of this work and that your students were grappling with. Um, can you speak more about how your students were able to strengthen and deepen their historical thinking throughout this work? Uh, absolutely. So I, I think when you look at the big six historical thinking concepts, they're all there in the assignment. Um, the ones that were really, the notes that were striking the, the most, I think, are, are evidence and interpretation, because this is very much based off of primary source evidence and the students being able to interpret that data and to be able to construct a narrative around what our war documents are telling us. Um, particularly with the digitized service file and the medical information, um, there's a little bit of reading between the lines that has to happen because some of the things that our soldiers have gotten up to are are described in a pretty nuanced way. Um, we discovered that several of our soldiers had died of Spanish influenza, but it isn't written as plainly as that in the uh, in the medical records. One of our soldiers, for example, he was uh, 19 years old and he died 
the day after the armistice of heart failure. And we were like, how does a 19-year-old die of heart failure? And so um, this was where the help from the museum was really, really critical because they said, you know, this actually is Spanish influenza. They're not, they're not saying that that's what it is. Um, because at that point in time, they're really trying to not create hysteria. So um, it was a lot of interpretation has to happen. And that's where, you know, having that secondary source information really kind of helped the students be able to, to put things into context and to, to be able to see the nuance and read between the lines and, and kind of pull out the subtext there. Um, there was all sorts of cause and, and consequence work that was being done because we had already sort of studied those main causes of the war, but now we're looking at it at a very local level and we're looking at changes that are happening in our community in response to the call to war. Um, so it raised questions about why we fight. I and mean, we were looking at the the housing that our soldiers lived in and we're looking at the neighborhoods in Guelph that they were coming from. Um, one of the areas that a lot of our soldiers on the Cenotaph came from is a place in Guelph called The Ward, um, which is a well-known neighborhood. Um, historically, it has been where new Canadians have come to settle when they are first arriving in, city, in the city, and it's considered one of the lower income neighborhoods in the city of Guelph. So to see that we have six soldiers um, from Alice Street alone on our Cenotaph, um, really begins to tell a story about the demographics of our city and some of those those push and pull factors for why our soldiers are going off to fight. Uh, the fact that our, the women are moving um, almost every year uh, tells something about the socioeconomic dynamics of our city as well. Um, the fact that women are being named as next of kin more often than than men. So if if a soldier has both a mother and a father still living, they were often picking the mother um, as next of kin, which was a really interesting um, interesting thing. So looking at what would be causing that, why would they they be doing that when they had a when their father was still alive? Um, we also were looking at, we noticed patterns in age of enlistment. So in 1914, 1915, most of the men enlisting were between 25 and 30. And then the next year, 1916, 1917, it drops. Most of the men enlisting are 18 and 19. And then by 1917, all of a sudden, we're seeing 30 to 40-year-olds enlisting in, in really large numbers. And so, again, like what's causing that? Um, and what are the consequences? Because when it's the 30 to 40 year olds that are enlisting, these are married men with children. And now we're seeing a lot more families in our community being affected by the war, where in the pre earlier years, it was a lot of single, single men. So we are kind of hitting all of those historical thinking concepts. But at the same time, um, I had been doing work with um, some Indigenous educators uh, in my board, we have a really fantastic principal of Indigenous education in Upper Grand District School Board named Kalinda Klein. So she brings in all sorts of elders and knowledge keepers to do PD with the staff. And so we had been um, doing PD, quite a bit of PD with the Mississaugas, um, which is the land that my school sits on is the Indigenous land of the Mississauga. And they've been talking, and, and they were talking about um, historical thinking concepts. And they have a problem with historical perspective and the way that it's presented because they're like my worldview is not a perspective this is this is inherent to who we are as a people so in thinking about well how do I I also include indigenous worldview into my teaching um, I began doing some 
some research and some reflection, reflection, and I thought, okay, a lot more about storytelling and the importance of storytelling as a way of sharing history um, and the focus on the local. Um, the knowledge keeper from the Mississauga, Nancy Rowe, she was always t- saying to to um, to us in our PD sessions, it's like, think about the local, learn about the local. So I'm like, this assignment here is also focusing on our local history. Um, it's establishing connections to the place that we're from. Um, it's strengthening the stories of our community that is the foundation for for where we are now in 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 our place in history. And it's all story based. And I feel like that's why the students really identified with the assignment is that they became part of crafting that story. And in often in a number of cases, they are the ones who know the story the best um, because some of the relatives of, of the individual on our cenotaph no longer live in our community or they've passed on. And so the, the story has been lost to time and my students through their research have been able to revive it and give it life again. And that's a, that was a pretty powerful learning thing too. When you take a step back and you look at that, all this work that's taken place and looking at the project as a whole, what impact do you think it's had on your students' learning? And what have the outcomes been for, for your community? So very early on in the work that we were doing, I noticed that the language my students were using about their soldier began to shift. And they were using like personal possessives when they were talking about their soldier. It was my soldier. This is my soldier, my person. And so they were starting to take ownership of the story and feel like a really deep connection to that person. Um, I, I had a student that went on a trip to France in the summertime with her family and um, her soldier, uh, his name is listed at Pas de Calais and, and she went and found his name and took a picture of it and sent it to me. Um, you know, the names of these men and women um, are not lost. My my students remember them, and they they honor the memory of of those individuals. They, I I have students that um, will come up to me, and I, I you know, and they're grade twelve, and we did this in grade ten. And they're like, I still remember everything about Will William Pelton, right? And that's pretty that's pretty special. Um, They've made this personal connection. They know a little bit about their city. Um, they can tell the story of the neighborhood that their soldier is from. They can they they know the story of what life was like in Guelph at the the time of the First World War. Um, one of the things that we've been able to do is also create a more accurate list of Guelph's fallen. Something we learned in the process of doing this is that there's a lot of inaccuracies on the cenotaph. So names were were not spelt correctly or um, somebody who didn't actually live in Guelph was there, but at the time where they were deciding what names to put on the cenotaph, they just sort of had a town meeting and then people would just be like, oh, yeah, this person went to war and they weren't actually from Guelph. They're from another community. They're from Arthur. They're from Puslidge. And so there's names on the Guelph cenotaph that will be found in other communities as well. So a lot of people travel to enlist in Guelph. And so they're not actually from the community, but their name is on the cenotaph because they enlisted from here. Um, So we were able to kind of get this uh, more accurate data set because um, we were able to kind of 
play around with different variations of, of spellings of names. So if we put a name into the database for the National Archives and it didn't come up, we looked for other, we tried other spellings of it and we were able to actually track down that person and, and get their information and, and be able to craft a, a story about their life. Um, because we're mailing them out to the community, the community now has some local history that they didn't have before. And we've got some really wonderful feedback. Um, we've had people reach out saying like, thank you so much. I had no idea this was the history of my home. We had people asking, how did you find this information? Can, can you, you know, give me the steps so I can go and do the research myself, which was pretty amazing. Um, we had, uh, we sent a letter out uh, to one home and that home is still in the same family. And so it was the, um, the great niece of one of the soldiers on the cenotaph. She actually came down to the school and, and visited. And so um, that was pretty special. We've had some invitations from some of the churches. There was a lot of uh, uh, children of pastors that enlisted. And so um we would send a letter to the church as well as to the home because we figured the congregation would be interested in knowing this as well. And so um, some of the churches would have photos up of, of the soldier. And so they've invited the students to come and have a look. So there's been this really wonderful exchange and sharing with the community too around our local history. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Erin. I've really appreciated learning more about this, this project. Thank you for uh, having me. I appreciate it too.